bullying in the NFL, it, it didn't sound right. You just kind of wondered if Martin was a little bit of a sort of, you know, a lightweight and couldn't take, you know, a little bit of ribbing. And, but as the story kept unfolding, I remember I was having a conversation with somebody, and they were like, man, I can't believe this guy is such a wuss. And, I, and my first thought was, well, there's more coming of this. We don't we don't know everything. This doesn't seem right. You know, there's going to be more of this. There's going to be something bad here. And they're like, well, maybe you're right. So as I heard more and more, Tarvin, I got more and more sort of disturbed that, you know, a teammate would say some of these things to another teammate. It, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, threatening to kill you. I mean, those are, I mean, that's pretty crazy stuff. I mean, it just, it just didn't make, it sort of just, fantastical, that's a word, Harvin. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't seem real. Yeah, and if you'd like to weigh in on this topic, 646-716-5564. Well, Trey, when I first heard the news about it, the first thing that went through my mind was, why in the world would a a 300-pound player allow himself to be bullied to a point where he has to go tell on him? I mean, was it so bad that you couldn't talk to your teammates in order to maybe get some defense if it, if it was this bad. I mean, Tannehill said that he thought these guys were best friends almost. So I'm very concerned that, first, the player would go rat on his on incognito like this, but I'm also concerned that incognito would find it okay to to be saying these things. And when I heard the things he said, and he, he put it in writing as well, Trey, I'm very concerned. But Martin, will he ever be accepted? In Miami again, I don't. I don't think so. I know Incognito is gone, but I think he'll rebound and recover. But will Martin ever ever be respected in a clubhouse again? Well, I mean, Incognito has a pretty weird um, run in the NFL too. He's been voted one of the dirtiest players in the NFL, sort of year in and year out, which is an interesting. Carvin and brings up another point, which is the two dirtiest players last year voted on by the players were Incognito and the Dominican Sue. Tarvin, any idea where both of those guys played college football? Uh, Nebraska. Both in Nebraska. So this is really interesting that both those guys were in the same school and both of them have that reputation because Incarnita has been a guy who's been sort of noted as the guy who's dirty and does pretty, you know, terrible things. So, yeah, I'm just wondering if, if he's going to rebound at all. And Martin, you don't know. I mean, is this guy going to be able to play football again? Maybe he doesn't love it anymore. Maybe he doesn't want to come back after this. He doesn't trust it. Uh, so, yeah, whether either one of these guys plays again, there's kind of a question right now. Well, I understand that, you know, kids in school get bullied and, and you know, parents get involved and, and it happens. But you're in the NFL making millions of dollars, Trey. You're making millions of dollars. You're a big man. I just don't understand why Martin didn't walk up to the guy if he was having that much of an issue and just knock him out. And I mean, even if he gets beat up or whatever, so be it. I mean, you don't take this from anyone, especially if you're in the NFL. I, I think Martin would have gained a lot more respect if him and Incognito would have just took it to the side and took it to the street. But this bullying in the NFL, Trey, I'm not buying it, really. I'm not buying it. A lot of the teammates for Incognito are coming to his defense. And tell me what, what you think about that. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. A couple of guys have come out, Kenny Hill was one of them. Uh, to Incognito, and so they didn't see it. So you're, there's something else going on here. I mean, I think that, um, you know, the stuff that we have documented on Incognito is, is repulsive. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, what Incognito put the paper, put the text, put the voicemails, 
it's just ridiculous. I mean, there's no reason, there's no place for it in any, in any, in anywhere, in much NFL, any workplace. Uh, but there seems to be a secondary part to the story. Uh, it you know, came out that some of the coaches may have encouraged Incognito to toughen him up. Uh, so you know, there's, there's this thing is not done. This, this could have a pretty big scandal written on it. I think the Dolphins are probably going to want to, you know, they brought in this investigator. It'll be really interesting to see what this independent investigator finds, not only on Incognito and Martin, but on the Dolphins organization. Well, I mean, they're making him pick up the the bill for, what was it, $30,000 for dinner and things like that. I mean, there comes a time if you're Martin, you don't, you don't allow people to bully you when you're an adult. That's what I don't get about this. There's something going on besides this, and, and like they said, he does have maybe some mental anxiety disorders or something. Maybe that's the reason he couldn't handle it. Maybe, I don't know, but there's more to it. I don't think incognito, Trey, if he knew this was going to happen, I don't think he would have done it. I think he was. He thought he was really, you know, hazing the guy, issuing a code red on him, taking it, and he just let it get out of control. I'm not saying incognito is a good person, trust me. I know, I know he's a thug. I mean, you can tell by his rap sheet. But do you really think that that he would do that to his own teammate to the point to know that he was going to get kicked off the team? I don't think he would have done it if he had known he was going to be kicked off the team and punished for it. Yeah, I mean, it's a real interesting tournament. I I think that when we peel this back even further, I think we're all going to be very shocked by what Miami knew and and encouraged here. I I think think Miami is going to be a very interesting component in all this and what they – what they did during this whole thing. I, th- I think they maybe knew more than they're letting on. Well, a big win against the Bengals last Thursday night. I mean, how big of a distraction is this going to be for the rest of the season? Because you know the media is going to be around that team the entire time. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, what will be funny, too, is we'll see if, you know, Hard Knocks is on the, the Dolphins next year after this. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's just, it, yeah, it, 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 we'll, we'll see more coming out, and I'll be interested to see how the team reacts. I mean, the big win against the Bengals last Thursday, uh, I, I will see how they how they rally either around this or or they fail on the field after this. I mean, they just lost two offensive linemen. So. Well, Warren Sapp said that Incognito said used to call him racial slurs on the field. I find that hard to believe with, with Warren Sapp being the old country boy he is and the way he's like Brett Favre. I mean, I couldn't imagine Warren Sapp letting it go if if that really was the case. But, man, I'm, I'm interested to see. This is not the story, guys. This is not everything. There's going to be something that comes out that we're going to be like, oh, okay, and and we'll get more out of it. But right now it's just everybody's in shock, and all you hear all the time is anti-bullying stuff and, and things going out, but I just I just don't feel sorry for someone that's uh, a three hundred something pound millionaire that can defend himself from anybody. Trey, I mean, it would be like you and I. I mean, if I'm sitting here doing that to you, well, you're going to come knock my head off, and vice versa. And I just don't get it. I just don't see what the issue is. What he said was wrong. Don't get me wrong. That's trash. What he said, but I find it hard to believe that Martin couldn't deal with that himself and take care of of a bully. So we'll we'll talk about that more, Trey. But I'm interested to see where they end up, how the season goes, you know, with them on it. And let's let's go to college just a minute and talk. I mean, in the news, I don't know if you've read about it, but Nick Saban, rumors coming up about Texas again. And tell me, Trey, uh, one of my buddies sent me a message today, and he said, 
Why is it that every time Alabama plays a big football game that the saving the Texas rumors heat up? And I started thinking about that, and, and then he's right. I mean, right before the Texas A&M game, this came out. And then all of a sudden, before the LSU game, we start seeing this. Trey, is first of all, is Saban going to go to Texas, or why would he? And B, why, are they just bringing it up? Are they just bringing it up for a distraction to the Alabama players? Because it seems like everybody wants Alabama to lose this weekend, the entire nation. I think it's, it's I think it's a couple of parts, Tarvin. One is, is no, he's not leaving. I think unless unless he gets the word that Alabama's about to get hammered in penalties, I don't think Saban's going anywhere. But I think Saban's the kind of coach who is not going to be loyal enough with an institution if they're about to get five year, you know, playoff ban or something like crazy like that. And you know, I, I think then Saban may may be looking at Texas. But I mean, that's the only reason I think he would look at Texas. I think there's no way. Saban couldn't jump to the NFL if he didn't want to, Tarvin. I just don't think there's any legitimacy to him going to Texas at all. And I think it is well, uh, hype with, with you know with Alabama's playing somebody big. Let's, let's, let's find a story. Well, if there are some NCAA issues, Trey, would, would Texas really want him then? I mean, just say uh, they uncover he's running a dirty program, and you know Texas can find out about it. Maybe there's a clause in the contract. I mean, would they really want Nick Saban to come to Texas if they know that everything that he did at Alabama was dirty in a way. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. There's not a program out there where they wouldn't take three of three national championships in four years. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's the, yeah, of course they'd take it. But um, you know, you know how these things go. I mean, the coaches very rarely get penalized for any sanctions that's due to the school. So, I mean, unless unless there's some sort of personal sanction in Texas, I absolutely would be interested. You know, every time I think of that, I think of the water boy, that coach. What's his name? The coach that uh, said he was better than one steak dinner is two steak dinner. What's his <laughs> yeah, name? Exactly. Okay. Oh, I don't remember his name. Well, uh, I'm sure somebody knows it. But, yeah, I mean, Nick Saban is a, is a great coach and everything. But I don't think people realize how much money – is in the state of Texas. And Alabama has money, too, trust me. There's some deep pockets in Tuscaloosa, but I don't think anybody in the country can match the pockets of Texas. I mean, these assistant coaches at Texas, Trey, from what I hear, can go to a special, just a private party and everything and get $30,000 handed to them. You know, I, I mean, Alabama has old money, but Texas has oil money. And, and you know, being paid 10 or $12 million a year, I think that would get Nick Saban's attention. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's base salary and then all the incentives that would come with it. But, you know, I just don't think he's going to leave for a college program unless there really is something coming down with Alabama and he gets the word, a la, I think, what happened with Chip Kelly at Oregon. But, um, yeah, I mean, maybe, Tarvin, maybe. But I, I just don't think that's legitimate. I think it's a lot of hype. Yeah, but, I mean, the nation wants Nick Saban gone because, especially in there, they're tired of the SEC, number one. They're tired of – of Saban. I mean, for God's sakes, Nick Saban was on 60 Minutes this past Sunday, Trey. I mean, how many coaches do you see on 60 Minutes that are current college coaches? I mean, this guy has built a dynasty over here, a legacy, what he's done. I mean, he won it at LSU. Now he, he's got a chance to make history. I mean, how where would Nick Saban rank of all time if he pulls off another national championship this year, Trey? Well, I mean, I think there's a good a good debate there for him being the best ever. I mean, it's hard to say that he's not in, in top consideration right now. I mean, he's still got a lot of years left on his, on his life to, to coach college football, and uh, he's 
he's up there with national championships already, Tarvin. I mean, he's up there. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't discount what the guy's done, and and maybe he leaves Texas, maybe he leaves Alabama trade, maybe he looks at the SEC and sees some of these offenses and the way they're running them. Maybe he just wants out. There's a lot. Of, there's nothing else he can do at Alabama, really. I mean. You won championships. You went undefeated. That's the expectation every season now, and that's some hard expectations to live up to. I mean, do you think Nick Saban loves Alabama fans, Trey? <laughs> you know, do I think Nick Saban loves fans in general? No, I don't. I think Alabama fans want to think that their coach loves them, and I think he'd like to portray that. But do I think he loves to the fans? No, <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah, so I mean, they they put the expectations on him. You let Saban lose to LSU this weekend and lose to Auburn in the Iron Bowl, they're going to want him gone. That's how fans are. They want to win. They want to win all the time. And and there's a short memory. We we remember the bad, but we don't remember the good as much. You saw Chiswick in 2010 win a championship. Two years later, he's out the door. It didn't take much time. And granted, Auburn didn't win a championship since '57. Now all of a sudden, you know, he's fired. But it was a great move. But uh, a lot going on. And, Trey, I mean, we haven't talked about it at all. We, we didn't do our preview, but we will do it before long. The NBA is is going on right now. I don't think anybody's talking about it with all the football going on. But your Miami Heat team is 3-2 and two right now. Are you worried? When did it become my Miami Heat team? <laughs> You're a LeBron lover, man. You know it. Well, uh, because I'm in fantasy basketball, that's why I love him. But, um because he puts up the points. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're struggling. I think I, I think it's not a little complacency with them. I mean, I, I, they got surprised uh, when, you know, MCW broke out in that initial game. But, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, they're, they're playing they're playing rusty. They're playing like they've won a couple of championships. I wouldn't get worried if I was in Miami. <laughs> sure, sure. And, I'm, and I'm not. Well, I mean, looking at the, the Lakers, you know, they, they're two and three right now. Um, I've watched them play a little bit. You know, I'm not very impressed with them, but they did beat the Clippers, and, you know, Doc Rivers is in L.A., you know, playing the sorry Lakers, and, and they ended up getting beat game one. Are you a Doc Rivers believer right now? Are you buying into the hype of Doc Rivers in L.A.? Not yet, and that's all I can see what he can do with that team. I mean, they were a, they were a really good playoff team before, and to make the playoffs uh, isn't really enough. There's some teams in the West who I think have taken some pretty big leaps forward. I mean, Houston's playing really good. Um, so we'll see if Doc Rivers can do anything that Vinny Del Negro couldn't. Well, well, we're going to skip over basketball a little bit, and we promise for all you NBA fans out there, we'll do a show before long, and we'll talk our college basketball as well. But, Trey, let's let's get right into our NFL games because we got a lot to talk about tonight, especially once we get into college, but – I looked over your games this weekend that you picked for the NFL, and, man, there's some good matchups out there this weekend. And I, I think there's some important matchups. There's some do-or-die games for some of these teams. So why don't you get us started? Yeah, that's why I put six on the schedule this week, Carl. I, I felt that there were, there, were, there were six games that had legitimate stories to them, including playoff-type uh, implications. You know, you look at the first game, it's the 7-1 Broncos at the 4-4 four four Chargers, and I think a lot of people are going to look past this game, Tarvin, thinking that, you know, this is the Chargers, are not that good, but they've been pretty good at home. They're 2-1 they're and one at home. Uh, they've played tough uh, in sort of, you look at points for and points against, San Diego is very, very close, 192-174. So they've played 
every game close. I mean, they're not a team that, that, that's sort of out of games or blowing people out. So I think they're going to be in this game more than people realize. I think this is going to be a close game, Tarvin. What do you think about Peyton Manning going out to San Diego? Well, I think I think they've shown after that. I mean, even in the Dallas game, and then after the Indianapolis game, and during the Jacksonville game, Dallas, Denver's beatable, Trey. And I think they've shown they're vulnerable, and they're not. They are a they are a man. They are men. They're not a, a robot. It seemed like Denver was going, you know, with that offense clicking, they would never lose a game. But all of a sudden, you know, they struggled against Jacksonville. They they gave up a ton of points to Dallas, and they got stomped by Indianapolis, and now they go on the road to a divisional rival. I agree with you, Trey. This is going to be a close game. Phillip Rivers and this San Diego team, they're not very consistent, but they can beat anybody on any given day. Am I ready to, to say they're going to beat Denver? Well, they did beat Indianapolis on Monday Night Football. I mean, they beat Indianapolis bad, and that's probably one of the best teams in the NFL. But I think Peyton Manning is still, Trey, a little too much for San Diego right now. I don't see San Diego's defense stopping Peyton Manning, but I also see San Diego scoring a lot of points. The over-under in this game is 57. I mean, 57 and a half, that's a shootout. I'm going to go with Denver, Trey, but I'm going to go with them by a field goal in this game. I think it's going to be very close, but I think they do sneak it out at the end. They pull it out. Yeah, I think it's going to be a close game. I'd look for Keenan Allen to have a huge game receiving – for San Diego, but I think Peyton Manning lights them up. I think that you know San Diego has been giving up you know passing yards. This is a division game. I think Denver gets refocused for this game. Uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be closer than people than people would assume just on paper. Target. I'm going with Denver as well. All right, Cuervo's with us. Cuervo, welcome to the show. Who do you like, Denver or San Diego? What's up, guys? I, I definitely like Denver. I just think Peyton Manning's uh, got the Chargers number. So I, I like I like Peyton Manning and the and the Broncos. All right, everybody on the panel here likes uh, Denver, so it looks like the chat room too. Trey, uh, you couldn't stump anyone on this one, but I I could see San Diego winning this game, guys. Denver is vulnerable, but Trey, I don't know if I have the stones to pick up tonight, man. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll move us on to number five, Harvard, and this one's interesting because you have the Eagles, who are four and five, who just had. You know what you could consider their backup quarterback, Nick Foles out of Arizona, throwing seven touchdowns. They're going on the road to Lambeau, who just lost Aaron Rodgers for at least a couple of weeks. He definitely will not play in this, this football game with at least a partially cracked or you know broken collarbone in his non-throwing shoulder. The Packers are five and three, Tarvin, and the Eagles. They're a team who hasn't they haven't won in Philadelphia, but they're four and one on the road, and that's pretty crazy. Even really good football teams don't go four and one on the road, and the Eagles are definitely not a good football team right now. But they're playing much better, Tarvin. And you get the Lambeau uh, crowd, who now are three and one at home, just got off that loss at home to the Bears. Tarvin, uh, what do you think? Post Aaron Rodgers, uh, valued as the second greatest quarterback, at least when you talk about his numbers to his team, uh, can the, can the Packers find any success without Rodgers? I don't think so. Uh, I think. Play a Monday night, and I think they're still in shock and they're they're stunned. Chicago came in, punched them in the mouth, knocked their quarterback out, and they haven't had much time to to deal with it really and to get healthy. Philadelphia has a lot of momentum after seven touchdown passes by Nick Foles on the road at Oakland, and you're right, this game is a Lambo. It's on the road, so 
I'm going to go with, with Philadelphia. They're getting Green Bay at the perfect time. Green Bay's in some deep trouble, guys. You don't lose a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers and not suffer, as we saw on Monday night. They're going to drop their second in a row to Philadelphia, Cuervo, and and I, I just don't think they can score a lot of points without it. Well, no. Or, I called you Sonny. Brian, what's going to happen is they're going to become – one-dimensional, and they're going to depend on Eddie Lacy to carry this team, and it's not going to happen. You know, Philly, Philadelphia is probably going to, uh, you know, put seven or eight in the box, and you know they're going to ask Eddie Lacy, they're going to ask a rookie to uh, carry this this football team. I, I just don't see it happening, guys. So uh, I think Philly wins. I think I think Green Bay keeps it close, but um, I still I still like the Eagles to uh, win this game, but it's going to be very close. Well, Trey, I think I think Green Bay turns into the Minnesota Vikings all of a sudden. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, like I said, Aaron Rodgers is, you know, if you look at all the NFL teams, at least the second or, or the first most valuable quarterback, meaning that the drop-off to his backup is so severe that the team really really can't function without him. I, I think that the, the Packers, you know, if you look at how they did in preseason, they did this to themselves. They – they couldn't figure out a backup quarterback in the preseason. You know, it was you know it was Grant Harrell, it was somebody else. But they were they were they couldn't figure out who they wanted. And I think they they just didn't think they needed him. And I think when Seneca Wallace was sort of a safety pick because he's you know an NFL guy, been around, but he's more of a mentor, second string, not a guy who actually can come in there and lead you to the playoffs. So I'm I'm pretty worried about the Packers, Tarvin. I got the Eagles in this game because I think Nick Foles is a very hot quarterback. And I think that a hot quarterback going into Lambeau is going to do well against Seneca Wallace, who is not going to have sort of the full range of all those receivers because he just can't throw all the routes. I mean, there's none about it. He doesn't have the arm strength and the accuracy to throw the routes that, that you know Aaron Rodgers does. So I'm picking the Eagles in this game. Well, Trey, is this going to – I mean, are you picking the Packers to make the playoffs now? I mean, they went from a division favorite to now – I mean, depending on how long Aaron Rodgers is out, I just don't think they can recover, especially in a division as tough as they're in. Well, that, that's got to be a big concern. I mean, how long is Rodgers going to be out? Because uh, each game he misses is going to be a big game. All right. Well, take us on. Well, that moves us on to our, our next game, Tarvin. I have that as our number uh, three game overall in the NFL, or excuse me, four game overall in the NFL, and it's the Bengals who are six and two, coming off that Thursday night loss to the Dolphins that we discussed, traveling on the road to the Ravens who are three and five, and the Ravens have been one of those teams that we've talked about, you know, sort of ad nauseum about Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde when it comes to home and away. They're one and four on the road, but they're much better at home at two and one. So, Tarvin, what do you think about uh, Cincinnati who controlled this division? They're you know, four and zero at home, but only two and three on the road. Uh, this would be a big win if if the Ravens get to knock off the Bengals. Well, the Ravens, how are you going to recover from getting embarrassed by the Cleveland Browns and in Cincinnati? Let's don't forget they lost on the road to Miami, but they have an extra two days of rest. So the preparation for this road game is going to be huge. The extra two days, and look, the t- most talented team between the two is Cincinnati. So. I, I can't pick an inconsistent Baltimore team. Even though they lost last week and you'd expect them to win this week, I'm not buying it. Baltimore is going to fall to 3-6, and six, and Cincinnati is going to take a stranglehold in that division. I mean, I just can't pick Joe Flacco and this Ravens team. They show me nothing to, to make me want to pick them, guys. 
Cuervo, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, Cuervo, what do you got? Uh, you know, I, I, I pretty much agree with you guys. I don't see Baltimore. I mean, the, the offense is disappointing, and the defense has given up a lot more than what we're used to seeing. So I, I fully expect Cincinnati to bounce back. They're scheduled to win. I mean, that's, that's the type of team that's, you know, that they've been the past month. They win one, they lose one. They win one. Now they're, you know, they're, they're on track to win this week. So I like, I like the Bengals, guys. Well, Trey, Trey, I need to cut you off. Chris Alderson in the chat room, uh, he's picking Baltimore to win in this game, and I think Paul's picking uh, Cincinnati as well. So we have one person here picking the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I mean, the Baltimore has been up and down, and the Bengals aren't as good on the road as they're at home. But I think that they match up pretty well against the Bing- against the Ravens. I think the Bengals have the talent on offense, and, and they match up well against what the Bengals, excuse me, the Ravens have on defense. So I like the Bengals this game, Tarvin. But this could be the closest game of the day. It's going to be super close, I think. This could be a, a fourth quarter, last last minute drive game. I, I like the Bengals by a field goal. All right. Well, it's going to be a good game, a good weekend of football. And Trey, you gave us six to choose from, and and now I'm just interested to see what everybody thinks on this third one. So lead us on. Yeah, this third one, the Cowboys have been, you know, sort of up and down as wins and losses. They've been pretty much in every single football game they've played. They're five and four, and now they're on the road against New Orleans, who just got stunned themselves by the Jets, who are six and two. Wow, I mean, what a game! Yeah, Dallas Cowboys. They they choked against Detroit. Who did they play last week, Trey? Last week they won. It was against. Uh, help me out, chat room. Vikings. Yep, Vikings. Yeah, yeah the Vikings. Come on, Dallas. And, and that was, yeah, that was a close game against the Vikings last week. And you know, New Orleans showed early that they had some momentum. I think they were playing off the fact that Peyton was back. And I don't know, guys. You know, the, my brain tells me to take the Saints in this one, being a night game in New Orleans in the dome, but. I'm going to take Dallas because they're an underdog, and, and usually when Dallas is an underdog, usually, not every time, they win. Trey, I'm going to pick the upset. They're a touchdown underdog of the New Orleans Saints, but I'm going to pick Dallas to win this game in a shootout. I think Tony Romo makes the plays at the end of the game when it counts, and, and maybe Dallas starts playing some consistent football again. Cuervo, I have a feeling you're going to pick the Saints in this one. Well, I am picking the Saints because – I, I can't recall, guys, Romo ever playing well against the New Orleans Saints. And, and I don't – maybe somebody refreshed my memory. Maybe he has played a good game against New Orleans, but I don't recall it. So uh, I don't think anything's different. And I think what we learned about the Saints last week, guys, and, and I'm sure we've heard it plenty of times before, the, the Saints just are they're, – they're a dumb team. And now they're back home against, against the Cowboys' defense that – is prone to making mistakes, and, and Drew Brees is is going to have a bounce-back game, I believe. So I like the Saints. Trey, yeah, how are you going to win? The one thing, yeah, the one thing, I'm, I'm going to go with the Saints, Tarvin, but I think this is going to be closer than people realize. I think the the, the, the Cowboys are going to make the Saints one-dimensional on offense. They're going to be able to hold a run down, uh, and I think that, that could lead to some Drew Brees errors. Uh, so I, I think the talent on the defense, we know it's the, there for the Cowboys. We just know in execution they've had a lot of problems against the pass. But they have talented guys back there. So I think if they do win, Tarvin, it's going to come down to a couple uh, 
interesting Drew Brees turnovers, but I, I just can't can't pick against the Saints in the dome. I just can't. They're, they're four and zero, and the Cowboys are one and four on the road. So I'm just going to go with the numbers and say and say Saints win. Well, well, Trey, there's talent all over this field, but Dallas seems to play well when they're in the spotlight and when they're not supposed to win the football game. I think the difference in this game will be the defensive line of Dallas. I think they're going to get some pressure on Drew Brees. They're going to make him uncomfortable. He's not going to be able to throw like he normally does at the Dome. And, I mean, look at special teams, too. I I think Dallas, this is going to be a game full of explosive plays. And, and I don't know, the Cowboys are due for that big win. They lost to Denver in a big game like this, it seems like. And now I just think after losing to Detroit, these guys will play more focused. And, hey, I'm going to pull the upset. I'm pulling the trigger here. I'm the only one on the show and in the chat room that likes Dallas. And, you know, I picked them to win this division that they're in. But even if they lose, it's not going to really matter. They're still going to win the division. But, Trey, am I crazy for picking the Cowboys, man? I'm the only one. Well, you are winning the pick every week, so we've got to give you props for that. Well, thank you. Uh, so I don't think you're crazy at all, buddy. But, uh, you know, speaking of the Lions, Tarvin, that's our next game at 5-3, and three, Tarvin. They're traveling on the road against the Bears, uh, who are 5-3 and three as well, and the Bears are going to be Cutler back. So tell me, uh, which team takes over the North Division in the NFC this week? It's going to be your Detroit Lions. I mean, I know Cuervo's not going to like me saying this, but Detroit playing some good football, a lot of momentum after that Dallas game. I think they go on the road. Cutler is going to take a little time to get back to normal, and this is a a 1 o'clock Eastern kickoff. It's a day game. I just think the defensive line of Detroit and that defense causes some problems, and Reggie Bush, I mean, he can make some plays. Detroit's going to have to stop Matt Forte and they're going to have to control him and contain him and make sure no kickoff returns for touchdowns. I think they're going to be fine. Cuervo, are you going to are you going to go against your Bears this weekend? Um, Brian, I, I, I would love to. However, I did it last week, and it, and it bit me in the ass. But, I mean, then again, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, you know, he went down and whatnot. So who knows how the game would have ended up. But here's the thing about Detroit, you know, a big thing about how the Bears won that game was the fact that the front, the, you know, the defensive line actually got pressure on the quarterback. So I just don't know if it's going to happen again. But, uh, guys, just to let you all know, the latest here in Chicago is that, um, you know, Jay, it sounds like Jay is not going to play. It, it, he, uh, you know, they're saying that he kind of rushed things as far as, wanting to come back and whatnot. But uh, you know, the word the word today here in Chicago is that he's probably going to sit out this, you know, this next game and then he'll be back the following week. So uh, we'll probably see Josh McCown again, guys. And uh, I think, I think the key is going to be, like you said, Brian, you know, stopping Reggie Bush, uh, Lance Briggs, not having Lance Briggs is definitely going to be a big deal. And uh, if they can get pressure up front, then I, I definitely think the bears are going to win. And, um, you know, just the momentum that that the defensive line built up. Now they come back home and they play another divisional game. I, I, I expect the momentum to continue as far as guys like Peppers and Shane McClellan getting pressure. So I think it's going to be a very, very, very close game. But uh, I can't go against my Bears, guys. So I'm taking Chicago. And, uh, you know, hope, hoping that Matt Forte gets involved in the game like he did uh, Monday night. Trey, who are you going to pick? 
Well, you know, I know he's usually got a better uh, ear for the Bears, but I, I think Cutler does play. And even if he, and maybe if he doesn't play, Tarvin, I'll change my pick. But I'm going to go with the Bears at home. I, I think what they did last week against, they figured out a lot of things against the, the Packers defense, even with the back quarterback. I think, you know, they, they figured some stuff out. Uh, I think this is going to be a pretty high-scoring game if Cutler does play, Tarvin. But uh, I may change my pick if Cutler doesn't play back to the Lions. But I'm going to pick the Bears <laughs> for now. I, I'm, go, I'm banking on Cutler playing. All right. Well, Paul's picking the Lions. Chris Alderson's picking the Lions. We're three to two, so you never know. You're right, though, Trey. When everybody picks against me, I usually win. So I need more people picking against me tonight. You need to be out on. You, you like being on your own little island there, but uh, Tarvin, you're Panthers. You say that you're you're a Panthers fan. You were a Panthers fan before Cam Newton. <laughs> I don't agree with that. Uh, you're a Cam Newton homer. You'll follow him to whatever team he goes to. Uh, but they're traveling on the road. This is a chance. The Panthers. Uh, to make some playoff legitimacy to their team that this year. But they're on the road against the 49ers, Tarvin. What, what do you have? Uh, Cam Newton, is he consistent this week? And what happens with him? Well, well, Cam Newton was good for about three or four weeks in a row, and then he didn't play well last week, even though they 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 handled the Falcons. The one thing I'll give the Panthers this year that would allow me to pick a game like this when they're going on the road to San Fran is they have a defense now. A lot of team speed. They got Luke Keeley, the best linebacker in the freaking NFL. I mean, the way they're playing. I mean, Dallas. I mean, Carolina has a defense, guys, and that's something they haven't ever had before. They can run the football. Can they go on the road and beat San Francisco? Cam Newton's going to have to play a great football game. He's going to have to. They're going to have to run the ball, not turn it over. But I can't go against San Francisco in that defense at home. I mean, that's one thing I'll look at. Colin Kaepernick's inconsistent, but I think San Francisco's defense can key in on Cam Newton and, and slow him down a lot and get him frustrated. When Cam gets frustrated, he starts pouting, putting his head in the towel, throwing interceptions. So I'm going to pick San Francisco in this game. It'll be a close game, guys. It'll be very, very close. I think San Francisco wins by about four points. But I'm going to go with the Niners in this one, Cuervo. Yeah, I am too, uh, guys. I I don't have enough confidence in uh, the, the offense of the Panthers. I just I just don't think they they're going to be able to put up enough points. And uh, you know, San Francisco is starting to get some guys back, guys. You know, I mean, Mario Manningham has been activated. Uh, Michael Crabtree's been activated. And I know they're not going to play this week, but I just think you know mentally it's going to you know raise the uh, the uh, how do I say, the confidence level of the San Francisco 49ers, just knowing that they're getting some of these guys back. Um, and, and it's going to, you know, San Francisco is going to become that team that everybody expected, guys. They started off slow, but they're going to start to get a lot better real fast. So uh, I like San Fran. Trey, are you going to pick Cam? You know, I, I'm not. But what I like about this game, Tarvin, is this is two of the, the four hottest teams in the NFL. The Panthers have won four straight games. They've scored 30 points in all four of those games, by the way. And they're playing the 49ers, who have won five straight games and have scored at least 31 points in all five of those games. So you have two offenses who are at least putting points on the board uh, and defenses who have been able to hold their opponents down at times. I mean, yeah, uh, we're talking about at Jacksonville last week for the 49ers and at Tennessee Tennessee the week before and Arizona and Houston, who's bad. And so – the 49ers haven't had the, the toughest 
road ahead to this game. But I like what Kaepernick's doing right now. He's uh, he's been a little more consistent the last couple of weeks. But I think this game is going to be interesting, Carmen. This is this may be the first team to thirty wins this game because most of these teams seem to have that magic number of thirty. I, I like this game with a close game, Carmen. I think thirty-five to twenty-eight, uh, 49ers over Panthers. That'll be a good game. I mean, Carolina's showing they're coming a long way. I mean, when's the last time they were five and three? For God's sake! I mean, usually. You know, the last couple of years they've struggled early. They've been in games, but they win a couple late and get a little momentum. But now, I mean, they can make a playoff push with the Saints showing they're vulnerable. If they can pull off an upset in this game, Trey, if they can pull off an upset, man, I better watch out Saints. Cause, cause, could you imagine the Saints losing to Dallas like I predicted and Cam taking care of San Francisco? All of a sudden, Carolina's in first place in that division, and they still have two games with the Saints. So it's an interesting game. This is the number one game by far, Trey. You did a good job picking that one. It's going to be fun to watch. So that wraps us up in the NFL. Is Trey, is there a game out there that you almost put on the list but couldn't? No, I, I, think, I thought there were six solid games. There were a couple games that I, that I definitely liked. I'm, I'm going to watch myself. But I think those are the six top games for sure, far and away, above all the other games in the NFL. I want to say something about the NFL real quick. There's a team out there that I think is a fraud, and that's Seattle. Looking at their record, I mean, I I really am disappointed in the way this team has played all season long. They look terrible. Russell Wilson's not the quarterback that everybody thought he was going to be, Trey. And this team lost one game this year, and they're lucky they don't have a losing record. What are your thoughts on Seattle real quick before we move on to college? Well, I, I don't agree with you. I mean, I think they've, they've definitely not played the thing as dominant uh, as the other teams have been in their records. But I think I still think this team is, is a pretty dominant football team. Their defense is legitimate. I mean, I think Russell Wilson has a lot of growing pains still, for sure, making some mistakes. But he is a, he is a second-year quarterback. All right. I just want to see what you thought about them real quick because I'm just not – buying into them like a lot of people are right now, just like the Chiefs. I mean, they're a good little team, but they haven't played anybody yet. So, Trey, college football tomorrow night, Thursday night football, how in the world could they schedule two great games, two top ten matchups in the same night? I mean, could they not spread them out a little bit? Why both both of these games, Oregon, Stanford, and Oklahoma, Baylor, on a Thursday night? Yeah, I wanted the same thing because, you know, if you're talking about two – um, you know, I mean, non-Thursday night teams. I mean, it's not as if Oregon or the Pac-12, you know, this is not a normal a normal matchup for, for the Thursday night games. Um, and I get it that this is an ESPN versus Fox Sports 1 or whatever it is thing. But, Tar- I mean, it was a disappointment to me to have both these games on a Thursday night uh, versus maybe having, if you wanted to one on a Thursday night, great. But, I mean, this is where, I mean, you needed one of these games on Saturday. Yeah, if you're Baylor, you're very upset right now because you want – you got, a, you know, a couple people that can make some Heisman noise. You want to be taken legitimately. You have a chance of a national stage, maybe, to, to, to make your case. But now, who's going to be watching Baylor-Oklahoma while Oregon-Stanford's going on, Trey? I, I just don't see how anybody could focus on that game when Oregon and Stanford's playing. So I think Baylor's the loser in this one. Even if they win big, nobody's going to see it. Well, I think everyone's going to be flicking back and forth between these two games. I mean, this is this is too big of a matchup for 
mean, I'll be checking them out, Tarvin. I may be actually recording both games just so I can go back and watch them in the pool. But, you know, me and you are, are pretty crazy about college football. So maybe I'm different, but I'll, I'll be watching both of these games for sure, and I'll be recording both of them. And if they're good, I may go back and watch both of them play by play. But I'm definitely interested to see how Baylor against Week, Tarvin. And I'll tell you right now, uh, of our top ten games, Tarvin, there is a big upset that I'm going to call this week. So uh, whenever you're ready to get started, I don't know if you have a big upset, Tarvin, but I certainly do. I have a uh, maybe. I don't know yet, but I feel like you're going to try to pick against my Auburn Tigers this weekend, and we'll talk about them in a minute. But but week or game ten is an interesting matchup, guys. We have Houston seven and one. They've been explosive all season, going on the road to Central Florida. Central Florida six and one, ranked twenty first in the country. Trey, is is that one of your big upsets? Because I like Central Florida in this game's defense. I watched Houston play last week. And, man, they're garbage to me. I mean, I really don't think they're that good of a team, especially when they play a team with full of athletes like Central Florida. Who are you going to pick in this one? Tell me this is not one of your big upsets. It's not, but I'll tell you, I think the Houston are going to give Central Florida fits in this game. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this goes the opposite way, but I think Central Florida does have more talent on the field than Houston does. And given the fact that they're, they have the home field advantage here, I think they're going to win this game. But Tarvin – you know, I'm not convinced that Houston doesn't go in there and pull off an upset, but I'm, I'm picking UCF. I think this is going to be a very entertaining game, though. I, I agree with you. Cuervo, who are you going to pick in this one? I think we dropped Cuervo. Um, so both of us are on Central Florida in this one. Let's see. Cuervo is picking. He's not picking. Paul's picking Central Florida. It looks like everybody's picking Central Florida in this one. So, number 10 game, no surprise there. Everybody's on Central Florida, which, Trey, that takes us to the number nine game, which is close to my heart. The number nine team in the BCS, the Auburn Tigers, eight and one, seven in the AP poll, going on the road. A noon kickoff game against a four and five Tennessee team that has played well at home, Trey. I mean, is this one of your big upsets? I'll tell you, um, I'm not going to pull the trigger just yet on my pick, but, I mean, IG has a great shot in this football game. Uh, the Auburn Tigers are, are, are playing very, very good football. They're rushing the football extremely well. They're sixth in the nation at running the football. They're 97th against the pass in the football, though. Uh, but the problem is, Tarvin, is that's not the, the strength of, of the defense of of Tennessee is not against the run. They're 98 from the nation. They give up 201 yards on the ground uh, themselves. So I mean, they, they sort of play into Auburn's strengths. If that wasn't the case, I think I'd have a much easier chance picking this upset. But, I mean, Tarvin, does this, this game give you as a fan? I mean, this is you look at the online polls, 83% of people are picking Auburn to win this game. Does this give you any heartburn uh, going into in the Knoxville? It definitely does, and, and I'll tell you this. A noon game, Tennessee had Georgia beat, should have beaten Georgia in Knoxville. They they beat South Carolina. The same kind of stage, a noon kickoff game. And the reason Tennessee scares me is because if Auburn turns the ball over, if they don't execute right, if they get penalties and they leave Tennessee hanging around, Tennessee's got to get enough team to beat Auburn because – even though Auburn's got a good ranking and everything, they're still their defense is still one of those defense that can give up yards, they can give up points. 
is if you start fumbling the ball, it doesn't matter how good your running game is or how good your rushing defense is. So this game scares me, and, and I think Auburn's going to approach this game like they did Arkansas last week. They're going to come in and they're going to try to run the football. But I think they're going to have to pass the football as well, Trey, in order to win. They're not going to be able to run like they did on Arkansas against the Tennessee front. They have good linebackers and good defensive line. I know their rushing stats have struggled, but I look at the matchups in this game with the players. Auburn will have to throw, and if Nick Marshall's shoulder is not feeling better, you might see a lot of Jeremy Johnson just because of the throwing thing. But I think as long as Auburn jumps on them early, Trey, and takes care of business early and doesn't turn it over, they'll win. So I'm going to pick the Auburn Tigers to go 9-1, and one, and they're going to be coming back to Jordan-Hare Stadium with two home games left in the season. It could get interesting. Yeah, I predicted this is a Tennessee win to begin the season, and I'll tell you, I'm flipping my pick right now, Tarvin, uh, because I just don't think Tennessee uh, is going to be able to hold down the Auburn rushing attack. I, I think that Tennessee is going to get some – crucial turnovers from the quarterback uh, position in Auburn, whoever's throwing the ball. And that's going to keep them in this game. But I think Auburn will pull out a tough win. They're playing very good. They're coached very well this year. I think they have the confidence they need to win this game on the road. But you know, this is one that, it, you know, flip a coin, Tarver, I think it could be an upset. I think it's going to be close. But I just think Auburn's playing a little too well for me right now to pull the upset. I have to get the Tigers coming home with a win. Yeah, remember, they, they rested a lot of their running backs, both of them. They have three. They rested two last week and just let Trey Mason just take over Arkansas and let him run. But do you agree that Auburn will have to throw the ball Saturday to win, that they can't be just oh, yeah. one dimensional? Yeah, they're going to have to throw the ball. I think that's going to be part of the problem for them. They're gonna, I think Auburn will turn the ball over in this game. But I just think that Cuervo will pick Tennessee at 59-3. So, uh, attaboy, Cuervo. Way, way to stick to your, your boys. But uh, I, I think Auburn's rushing offense is going to be too much. I think that you know they're not going to abandon the run. And Miles Lawton won't, won't – even if they turn the ball over early, early in the game. So they're down 10 nothing. Tarvin. Miles on is a guy who's not going to panic. He's going to continue to rush the football. He's going to continue to break down the, the front seven of Tennessee, and that will pay off in the end by not panicking. So I think Auburn – I think they may have to withstand an early Tennessee uh, lead. But I think they'll come back and win this football game. Yeah, this is a very important game for Tennessee, Trey. They're four and five. They they have Kentucky and Vanderbilt left, but I mean, if, if Tennessee can win this game and beat a top ten opponent, just to show they beat South Carolina and Auburn, both top ten teams, they can make a decent bowl game. They win. They go seven and five this year. They can be in Atlanta, Chick Fil A, New Year's Eve bowl, and that's a that's a big thing. I mean, that's a big deal when you're rebuilding a team, but. This could get ugly if Auburn can make Tennessee turn the ball over, too. So everybody's picking Auburn in this game, but Cuervo's got them 59-3. So we'll see about Cuervo's score. I hope that's not true. I'll be leaving Rocky Top at halftime, Trey. There you go. All right, keep us going. I think I have an upset coming. You think you do? Yeah, I think I do. All right. All right. Uh, number eight, Tarvin, the Texas Longhorns are six and two, traveling to the Clint Trinket, former FSU quarterback, uh, now at West Virginia. They're four and five, and they've been up and down. Tarvin, what do you think about the Longhorns' chances in this game? A night game in West Virginia. West Virginia has—I mean—they have shown signs of being able to play, and then they—they they look terrible. I think they have a good chance to win. I think West Virginia can win this game. It's at home. 
Texas, I'm not. I haven't bought into them yet. I mean, they beat Oklahoma and they made TCU look bad. But when do these guys start patting themselves on the back, Trey? When does Texas start looking in themselves saying, "Wow, we're good, we're back"? I think this game has upset all over it. But you know, Texas being Texas, they have a lot of talent. I'm gonna say they squeak one out. I'm not ready to call the upset just yet, but I, I think I think West Virginia is gonna give them trouble in this game. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to be close. Uh, but I just think Texas right now is kind of focused. I mean, for a Texas team, as much as you can say, Texas is focused. I just think I think this is a game right now that Mac Brown has them not ready to lose because I think they understand how important you know they they're they got focused on the Big Twelve games, uh, and this is one of those games that they know they have to win to win. Tarman, I like them winning a close game. You like you like Texas pulling it out. Yeah, like. I think you're cutting out a little bit, Trey, or I am. Um, Sorry, I had to adjust my my headphones. Sorry. Okay. Paul's picking Texas as well. And um, so we'll move on right now, Trey, the next game. And Michigan Wolverines, this is an interesting matchup because Michigan uh, got decimated last week against a very good Michigan State football team. They're back at home at night playing Nebraska that won on a Hail Mary at home against Northwestern. So looking at these teams, both are 6-2, and two, Trey. They're not 6-2 and two teams in my mind. They're not very good football teams. But I think the difference in this game will be Michigan being at home. I think Garner has a big game against Nebraska. I just don't think Nebraska can pull one out on the road in Ann Arbor at night. I'm going to go with – or it's probably a day game. I can't remember. But I'm going to go with Michigan regardless in this game. Yeah, the problem is, you know, Taylor Martinez is probably out now for the rest of the year. Uh, and, and they're just not a very good football team without him. I mean, as much as I've, I've hated on him, I mean, he has sort of been the cornerstone of that offense. Uh, you know, Kellogg is the guy who threw that Hail Mary pass. I watched him play against Northwestern, and he's just making way too many mistakes. Uh, he's just not ready for the spotlight. Michigan is is at least talented, Tarvin, uh, and they're a team that's been playing, you know, not up to their talent level. But they're not going to have to play too talented, I think, in this this game. I just think Michigan has too much being in the big house as well. Uh, I just Nebraska could be ready for a crumble, unfortunately, and we could be seeing Bo Pelini be fired here soon. So Michigan wins, and the hot seat gets even hotter for Nebraska's coach. You know, Paul Ewing picked Nebraska to win this game. I think Paul and Carl Pelini has been hanging out a little bit for him to pick Nebraska to win on the road at Ann Arbor. But, hey, hey maybe I'm wrong here. Well, Trey, the next game is a is going to be a good game. I mean, you did a great job picking these games you usually do. Wisconsin six and two. People are are saying Wisconsin is going to be in a BCS game this year, Trey. I'm not ready to to say that being in a large team, but BYU comes into town, and BYU's played some very good football this year. BYU's already already got their bowl game already lined up. They've already accepted an offer here and or an invitation. Trey, are you ready to put BYU over Wisconsin in this game? I'll tell you what, Wisconsin is on upset alert for sure in this game. Uh, BYU has been playing much better football. Uh, they've been playing more consistent, and they've been playing uh, sort of, you know, if they win this game, I think they may be very upset. They already selected themselves for a bowl, uh, another independent. But, I mean, this is a team that could be, you know, 10-2 if they keep winning. So, uh, Wisconsin, I know that you know Kirk Herbstreit really believes in them and says, "Hey, this is a team that 
that easily could be in the BCS. I mean, they're, they're sort of a, a defensive team. They're 14th in the nation against the pass, fifth in the nation against the the rush. I think that's what wins this game here, Tarvin. I think they're going to win a very close, I would say even low-scoring game against BYU, and they hold them down, uh, and they they're able to run, run the football down BYU. Uh, and they went that way, Carvin. But I think this is going to be a close game. Well, Trey, this is a question for you. Tell me, maybe I'm not thinking straight, but BYU is taking a bowl. They've accepted an invitation for a few years out for a couple of bowls. How can BYU accept a bowl invitation when they're not bowl eligible yet? Or do they automatically get in because they're not associated to a conference? Well, I think it's because I think it's one of those you know, if they become bowl eligible, they are bowl eligible now. So, okay, I was just making sure because I saw that and I'm like, wow, I would hate to accept a bowl bid to a sorry bowl like that. So, so what happens if they make a BCS bowl and they've already accepted an invitation? What happens if BYU runs the table and they get an at large bid? Well, that's the, that's the question I have. Is I don't think it's going to happen this year because even a 10-2 BYU team doesn't make the BCS because they are an independent, but they don't travel well enough. They're not Notre Dame. But I, mean, I think in, in, maybe if they were undefeated, I think they may have held off on that. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how that works out in the future because I, I have the same questions. Well, I'm going to pick Wisconsin, too, in this game. I think being at home, I think it's going to be enough. I think this is a decent football team. Are they? If they make it to a BCS bowl game, they're going to get thrashed probably unless they end up playing a Northern Illinois team or something, which I doubt. But I just don't think Wisconsin is good enough to be in that bowl game yet. But Trey, take us to number five. All right, number five is an ACC interesting matchup. Virginia Tech is 6-3, and three, and they're on the road against Miami, who dropped to number 11 at 7-1, Tarvin. Uh, what do you think? Miami is favored in this game. Is Virginia Tech going to pull off an upset? Trey, I've watched Virginia Tech play, and they have the worst offense of any team I've ever seen play. I mean, Logan Thomas, uh, I thought he would have a good year until they hired Scott Leffler to be the offensive coordinator. He couldn't beat a team like Miami if he had to. And I'm not a big Miami believer uh, even with Duke Johnson out, I'm going to pick Miami to win this game because, look, Virginia Tech is struggling right now. They lose to Duke. They lose to Boston College. I mean, how are you going to go on the road and beat Miami? And I know Miami could have a big letdown after that loss and after losing Duke, but I just I just can't pick Virginia Tech, Trey. I'm going to pick Miami in this one. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those ACC head scratchers. I mean, I, I think that, you know, you look at Miami coming off that loss to Florida State, and then you look at, you know, what Virginia Tech has done, and I agree, you know, you and I have sort of much talked about the terribleness that is, you know, what Logan Thomas has become and, and Scott Leffler there at Virginia Tech. And, and you know, the, the chat room is split on this. I see, you know, Miami wins from Jason. I see Miami wins from somebody else. And then Paul Ewing picks Virginia Tech. You know, Tarvin, this is – I'm going to throw the upset. This is, this is one of my upset picks. I think Virginia Tech – I think Miami is going to be really hungover in this game. I, I just think that uh, with the injury to Duke Johnson at Miami, too, that's going to hurt their offense. And they were such centered around Duke Johnson. Now he's out for the year. I think Miami has a hangover game, Tarvin, and Virginia Tech. Uh, and, and honestly, Miami can have a hangover game and still get to the championship because they have a two-game lead right now So, in the Coastal Division. So I think Miami has a hangover and they lose this game close to Virginia Tech. Well, I'm going to go ahead and give you my upset here. Number four game, number 19 ranked UCLA Bruins, 6-2, and two, go on the road to Arizona, 6-2, and two, Trey. 
and I think Arizona at home is a different team. I think UCLA has struggled. They played Stanford and Oregon, and they lost. But I've been very disappointed watching them play those two games. And I just think Arizona at home is going to take care of business. They're going to give UCLA their third loss. Yeah, I almost took this one myself, too. I think Tomlin is the difference here. And I'm not sold, uh, I guess, on Arizona's defense against Tomlin. But I think you're right. This could be an upset. I have this on upset alert as well. Uh, I'm going to go against you and pick UCLA, but I agree with you. This could be an upset. But let's let's move on to uh, the the three games that are going to they're going to restructure the BCS possibly. Let's look at number three, Carlin, uh, Oklahoma, number ten in the nation, seven and one, traveling down to Baylor, uh, who are seven and zero. Oh. It's the Thursday night game, as you and I talked about. Uh, who wins this game? I think Baylor wins this game, Trey, and everybody talks about Oklahoma. They're not a top-ten team, guys. Oklahoma, they showed against Texas that they're they're not physical enough to play football, and now they go on the road at Baylor. And, you know, Baylor's turning point came last year when they beat Kansas State's eyes out, and and that showed me that Baylor was for real. And then they, they built that momentum. They have Lachey Seastrunk in the backfield. They can run the football. But what I'm worried about, Baylor, Trey, can they play defense? And I don't think Oklahoma is explosive enough. I mean, they can run the football, don't get me wrong, but being on the road against Baylor, I think they're going to have to be more than one-dimensional. They're going to have to throw the ball to be able to keep up with Baylor. Because even if you slow Baylor down, they're still going to put 30 or 40 on you. Can Oklahoma score that many points, Trey? I don't think so. I think Baylor wins this game in blowout fashion. I just don't think Oklahoma can score that much. That's a great pick. I mean, you look at the talent that Baylor has in offense. I mean, they have, you know, two guys who've been talking about for the Heisman. They've been putting up points against everybody. They seem to have figured out some stuff on defense. But you know what, Tarvin? Not so fast, my friend. I'm picking Oklahoma. <laughs> a huge upset in this game. I'm not buying into a team that has to be the top 25 <laughs> team. I think that Oklahoma has the talent. I think they are going to be able to throw the ball off Baylor. I think the defense is still porous. I don't think they've showed me anything on defense yet, Carlin. So I'm pulling the upset. The Oklahoma Sooners knock off a number five team in the nation, Baylor, and they get them out of the national championship consideration. Trey, I have to give you kudos because that's a huge upset pick. Uh, Oklahoma is a team that they they snuck in the top ten beating Texas Tech, but I still remember that Texas game, and I still remember Blake Bell. And I'm telling you, playing at Baylor is going to be tough because this crowd is going to be it's going to be rocking. Trey, Oklahoma hasn't played in a crowd like this all year. They're going to get their ear full. It's a Thursday night game, and I don't think there's a chance Oklahoma wins this game. So I give you props for picking it because it takes a lot of balls to do that. But Baylor, what 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 do they have? What if they win this game, Trey? Just think, if they win this game, where does that put them in the mind of the pollsters? Really, do they get respect, or is Oklahoma still Oklahoma right now? They're not after that Texas loss, really. I think that if they beat Oklahoma, Baylor does. I think, to me, I moved them up above Ohio State, and that's as far as I think they get. But I think, to me, if they can beat any team in the AP Top 25, which is more than Ohio State has done than Tarvin, then I move them above Ohio State. But that's as far as I can move them. All right. If Baylor loses this game, I mean, where do they go from here? Because, I mean, right now they're – 
they're they're tied with Texas in the Big 12 right now. I mean, how big is this game really for them? I mean, I don't think they're going to make a national championship game anyway, but if they lose this game, where could they go? I mean, they could they could take a huge drop because their schedule gets a lot tougher now. Uh, even if they lose, they can still make the BCS because the Big 12 is basically completely in play even with a loss. So, uh, you know, win or lose, Baylor still has a shot at making a BCS game. Yeah, I'd like to see Baylor and Oregon play one day just to just to watch that game and see what could happen. I don't think it'll be a national championship game, but you never know. We could we could maybe get that in a, a BCS bowl game, especially if Stanford beats Oregon this weekend. But Baylor got a chance to show you're right, Trey. They haven't beaten anyone this year, and they're they're kind of like Nebraska back in the old days where they beat teams by 60 points, and then when they play somebody good, they lose. This could be it. Oklahoma has been there before, Trey. How big is this stage? I mean, Oklahoma, Bob Stoops has been there before. He's been on stages like this. He hasn't done so well in the past in big games. But tell us about him as a coach in this game. How does he approach this game when he goes on the road? This is going to be a hostile environment. Well, I I think that uh, he's able to prep his guys for um, basically this kind of stage. They played in, you know, Big 12 championships back when they had a championship game. They played, you know, they played a national championship game under Bob Stoops. You know, he's won a national championship game. So, you know, it's not like Bob Stoops can't say, here's how you do this stuff. And, I, and I'll, be, I'll be honest, too, you know, Baylor's going to be rocking Parvin, but it's not the same level as some other places to go in and play. So, you know, Thursday night, you know, the national spotlight, and I think this is one of those games that Baylor hasn't been there before. They don't know the pressure that it is to be, you know, I mean, I don't know what the point spread is, but I'm sure they're, they're a point spread, you know, a decently point spread favorite. And it's going to be one of those games. Can Baylor take the pressure? We saw last year that Kansas State couldn't take it. Uh, when they went out to Baylor and lost, you know, a big game. So, you know, can they take the pressure of being on an actual spotlight? And Trey, the point spread in this game is 15. That's why I was giving you such so, such kudos for this one. 15-point underdog. When's the last time Oklahoma's been a 15-point underdog? I can't remember ever. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's. And it's one of those things. I mean, 15 points. And that's a, such a huge over. That's a huge underdog for for Oklahoma. And so we'll have to see, Tarvin. I can be completely wrong, but I'm going to pull the trigger, sticking to my guns. Well, well, if you win that one, Trey, I'm going to spend 30 minutes giving you kudos Sunday night. So the number two game, and and it, it make your number one. You may you may have made some Alabama fans mad on on this one, but the number two game. The number one Alabama Crimson Tide at home, Trey, a night game nationally televised against LSU, the 13th ranked team in the BCS, seven and two coming in. Tell us your how LSU is going to win this game, Trey. Well, LSU has to get uh, a lot of turnovers here. I just here's the thing, Tor. I think this game is is a lot of hype. I, I think this game is is overly hyped. I don't think LSU, to be honest, has the team this year to beat Alabama. Mettenberger seems to have taken a step back. He's not. I mean, if Mettenberger was playing the way we thought he was playing earlier in the year, I think this would be a really good game to talk about. But I look at this game. I think. I, I think if Alabama wins every single matchup, the only matchup that that I think that that is interesting is LSU running the football against Alabama defense. And how Alabama can sort of, I guess, can sort of preview what they're going to see against Auburn, which is a good rushing attack. So. I mean, if LSU wins, it's because they control the football and they get, the ball, they get turnovers, Tarvin. That's the only way LSU wins. Uh, LSU in this game, you're right. The difference is this is not the same LSU team of two years ago that won in Tuscaloosa 9-6. to 
they have talent at running back, receiver. Meddenberger is capable of playing a good game, guys. He's capable. But Alabama, have you ever seen a team that has won as many games as they have and still being disrespected this year? I mean, every time you hear it, everybody's trying to convince you, Trey, and everybody in the nation that Alabama is not the best team in the country. So I think this is a perfect opportunity for A.J. McCarron and Nick Saban to, to just take LSU behind the woodshed and put them out of their misery. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think Alabama rolls in this game, Trey. Alabama wins this game by three touchdowns at least. Alabama is going to dominate from the start to the finish. And I think Nick Saban is, is just going to prove to America again that, you know, he's got the best team in the country and everybody's trying to debate it. You know, some polls have Alabama third and everything. But Alabama, once they get through with LSU Saturday night, I don't think there's going to be any doubters anymore. Trey, are you there? Yeah, sorry, I was on mute. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I think that people are hyping this game up, Tarvin, because they want LSU to be the opponent they were a couple years ago when they're just simply not. I mean, this is not the same LSU team. This is not the game of the century. It just isn't. Uh, I think LSU is going to get rolled because LSU is nowhere near as good a football team uh, as they were in the previous years. I mean, this is the same LSU team who struggled against TCU for a while. TCU is under 500. So this is a, a mediocre LSU team who right now is playing you know, they, they played very well for a while, Tarvin. I think now they're starting to struggle because teams are figuring them out. So I look at this game and I think, well, who's a better coach uh, with all this time off? And it's going to be Saban. They're going to destroy LSU because LSU simply is a team who isn't ready to compete in the national stage. And Alabama is. So LSU is going to lose this game, Tarvin. Well, Alabama's had it made this year. They played two tough games. In the first one, they had a bye week to get ready for A&M, and now LSU – they have another bye week, and I just think it's whoever made their schedule did a good job this year because I remember a few years ago everybody that played Alabama was coming off a of bye week. So Nick Saban, this is personal. I mean, you've got to remember, Trey, they almost lost in Baton Rouge last year, and Alabama was a big favorite like they are this year. And, and LSU scared them. And remember that last touchdown drive with less than a minute left where Alabama wouldn't have won the national championship last year. So – I don't think – I think Saban has their attention. I think they come out and they make a statement in this game. They have looked dominant ever since that A&M game, and I know they haven't played the competition, but neither has anyone else really. So I look at Alabama, this is a statement game for them, Trey. And if A.J. McCarron lights up that secondary of LSU, he could be in the Heisman race. Well, I mean, I, 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 mean, I think people – Want him to be, but I don't. I don't. His numbers aren't anywhere near as good to be up there with three guys who are up there. Uh, he has to have a, just a phenomenal game for me to even put him uh, in the Heisman race. I mean, but uh, in a legitimate top three I mean, Heisman race. But uh, yeah, I, I think they win this game, Tarvin. And then, unfortunately for all the you know people who want to hype this game up, I know game day is going to be there. I just don't think it's going to be that competitive, to be honest. All right. Well. You heard it here. Nobody's picking LSU, and and it's not the game of the century. Uh, the game of the century for this year is coming up tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern time, 6 Pacific. And Jason Humphreys is probably foaming at the mouth, Trey, to talk about this game. That's why I'm not going to let him talk tonight. <laughs> <laughs> 
right. Sorry, let's bring Jason. Well, let's bring Jason on. Jason, uh, the the day has finally arrived. The night before the big game. How you feeling right now about your Oregon Ducks? I'm feeling good. Um, on the nervous level, I'm about a four or five, and why not? I'm just just around here, local media and the um, players press conferences and whatnot, they they admitted it last year. They wasn't ready for Stanford, and this team's ready. And the Anthony Thomas said earlier, earlier this week that we're going to score 40, and I expect that we're going to do that. Well, Jason, look at it. I think you're right. Last year, I think they took Stanford for granted being at home. And how much does revenge play in this game? Going on the road, this is Oregon's game. This is a chance for them. You know, they got left. They got leaped in the BCS by Florida State again after they beat Miami. So, how personal is this game for Oregon? That game cost them a national championship last year. I think. I think as a, as fans, it's it's revenge and one out. But I think Mark Elfrich and that team is just business as usual. Um, a fun known fact is the last road loss that Oregon had was to Stanford in about '09, I want to say. And the last home loss that Stanford has was to Oregon in 2011. So um, I think the only way that Stanford wins is if they slow down Oregon, and I, I don't see that happening. Well, Trey, I. All year I've been saying Stanford's overhyped, and I picked Oregon to win big, and and I'm not changing it. I'm not changing the way I feel about this game. Oregon is better on both sides of the ball this year, uh, and the revenge factor does play into it. Being at Stanford, I think, Trey, it's going to allow Oregon to treat it more as a business trip instead of having to deal with a family and friends there. They go on the road. They're, they're one team united, and I think they take care of business on the road. Tell us what Stanford has to do to win this game. Well, I mean, here's the thing: is that Stanford is a good football team, and I, I think you're wrong in that that regard. Um, they're not a good Utah. Team. Utah. Utah. Well, I can say the same thing for all of the SEC teams who have one and two losses. I mean, they all have bad losses, uh, and for sure, Stanford is a bad loss. There's no doubt about it. The good football teams lose sometimes to bad teams. I mean, you can go through the the history <laughs> of football and, and point to the you know teams who won championships with one loss, like how did they lose to that team and ended up winning the national championship? Uh, it just happened. Now, Stanford is not a national championship team this year, and the reason is is their quarterback. I mean, Stanford is a great football team absent what they have at quarterback. And I don't think they can win this football game because I don't think Kevin Hogan is a good enough quarterback to win this game because this is not a year where Stanford is going to surprise them. This is not a year where – they have the talent around Hogan to sort of make up for his inaccurate, you know, inadequacies at, at the quarterback position. I think he's going to turn the ball over. I think they would have to turn. They would have to get Mariota to toss the ball up constantly. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think to Mariota a little bit. Yeah, their defense is solid, and I think they're going to keep Oregon down a little bit. But the thing is, is they don't have the offensive prowess uh, with Hogan. I mean, there are teams that get by with running the football and playing good defense, and, and they're not going to be able to score with Oregon in that regard. So I think Hogan makes too many mistakes, Tarvin. Uh, I think the way they'd have to win is forcing a lot of mistakes, and Hogan has to play 
basically a game that we've never seen him play before because we have not seen him play a football game, you know, like sort of like an a la Johnny Mansell where everything he does is just brilliant. And he just, you know, makes great decisions and just everything just comes up roses. And unless we see Kevin Hogan do that, I don't think they have a shot, Tarvin. Well, Jason, Jason, your quarterback, Mariota, everybody says he's the front runner for the Heisman. If he loses tomorrow night, is, is there any question whether he wins it or not? I, th- I think I think with Oregon being on the West Coast, I, I think Oregon has to run the table for him to be undefeated and whatnot. I, I think he's done if he loses. So, so Jason, tell me who's better between Oregon and Florida State right now. When you look at the BCS, do you disagree that Oregon moved down to third? Um, with with Florida State beating Miami, that's that's fine. But like like I've been saying on the um, message board, is Florida State doesn't have a ranked team. Oregon, all of Oregon's opponents here on out has a winning record and one out. So yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Oregon's schedule is a lot tougher. And, Trey, I think if Oregon takes care of business tomorrow night, as they should, they're a 10-point favorite on the road, I think they're locked in. As long as they keep winning, they're not going to get left out. No, I, I mean, that's the, if you're a Florida State fan, that's the unfortunate truth, I think, Tarvin, is that Oregon will play a tougher schedule down down the stretch. And uh, for Florida State, I think they're going to have to have somebody lose in front of them. That's the only way they're going to get there. Well, well, Jason, any final thoughts about the game for us? Any anything you want to enlighten us on about this game? Any certain matchups you're looking at? Well, um, key thing, um, the Stanford's best defensive lineman, Brett Garner, he's done for the season, so that's going to hurt that Stanford's defensive line, but. As everybody's thinking, yeah, they're going to beat Stanford, and it's smooth settings. But as a Duck fan, and I've been posting it for months and months and months, if Oregon loses, it's going to be to Utah. And why not? Because coming off this emotional win, how are they going to bring up Utah? Utah could beat us, but it's it's just... Okay, you beat Stanford. Do you have the emotion to take the teams on the schedule um, and beat them? Yeah. Yeah. All right, Jason. Well, good luck tomorrow night, and we look forward to hearing from you Sunday night, win or lose. I know you'll show up, but I have a good feeling, Jason, you're going to be very happy tomorrow night. Thanks, buddy, for joining us and supporting the show as always. Trey, I hope Morgan wins just for this guy. Well, you know, Jason, I love you, buddy, but I hope Oregon loses. That's my own, my own thoughts, buddy. <laughs> well, Trey, before we go here, I'm picking Oregon. Are you? Who are you going to pick in this game? Oh, Oregon. Okay, Oregon. Well, let's talk Heisman for a minute. And before we go, we're almost out of time tonight. And I think Sunday night show is going to be huge, and it, it could be just a, a big show. With I'm hoping for some upsets. I'm hoping for some shake-up. I'm hoping when – when we come here Sunday night, Trey, that Auburn's ranked third or fourth in the country. Well, it could happen. It could happen. 
You never know. But let's talk Heisman. And I've been saying it. I bought into Winston after a couple of games. I saw the Pittsburgh game, and I liked what I saw on the road. And then I saw the the trip to Clemson, the way he handled it pregame, how he got his team, got the nerves off, and he came out and dominated. And, and the other night against Miami at home, he looked human. He made a couple of picks, but the way he led his team to victory again, Trey, it's Winston's to lose, in my opinion. And a lot of people are saying Mariota. But when I look at a, a quarterback that can take over a game, I mean, it's Winston. It's not Mariota, in my opinion. And when I look at the next level, I look at the NFL, I see Winston in the NFL. Mariota, I'm not sure about. So tell me your Heisman. Who's your top Heisman? Give me your top three or four, whatever you want to do. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's a three-person race in the Heisman. And, and you know, I had Manziel last time we talked. My number one. I'll tell you, I have him three right now. Uh, With his two losses, even though he's putting up video game numbers, I think losses have to count for something, and Marietta and Winston have just been putting up the numbers, and they've been winning all their football games. So to me right now, and that's before the Stanford game, uh, it's, it's Winston and then Mariota by, by a fraction of a point. I think if, when Mariota beats Stanford, I think he jumps ahead of Winston. It's kind of like the race for the BCS. Uh, but I, I think it's uh, right now it's the Mariota-Winston race with a Manziel right behind him, but I think he really needs them to lose because I think if one of those guys goes undefeated, I think that guy's going to win. Well, let me tell you why Mary, or Winston's going to win this if he runs the table. is Everybody's getting to see him, and they're getting to see his personality. What a great kid he is. Yeah, he's a great ball player, and he's been the media loves the guy. Mariota, you couldn't pick this guy out at a, at a grocery store if you were walking around. I could, I could tell you who Winston was, but Mariota, I might not spot him, Trey. And I think that's going to be a problem. I think at the end of the day, Winston, what he's done for Florida State is huge. If they run the table, and if Florida State and Oregon are both undefeated, I'm still picking Winston. But Johnny Manziel, even with two losses, Trey, he has a chance to play LSU. He has a chance to, to win out. And if he goes 10-2 and two again, when everybody thought he was going to struggle, I'm going to put him up in my top two. I'm going to put him ahead of Mariota. Just because Johnny Manziel takes that in without him, Trey, would probably be a 6-16 six and 16 at best. Well, I think all of these teams would be different without those quarterbacks. I mean, for sure. I mean, you look at I mean, what would Florida State be with, you know, with, without Winston playing. I mean, we saw that happen last year with E.J. Emanuel. So, uh, you know, I think that to me, you got to look at on the field performance and, you know, the whole what if they didn't play factor matters, but not as much to me. I mean, because I, I look at Manziel, I think, you know, he's clearly up there. But to me, he has to have one of those guys lose, in my mind. Paul is supporting Jordan Lynch. Trey, give us your thoughts on him. Jordan Lynch is about as, about as good as, as when he played Florida State last year in the Orange Bowl. We see what, what – and, and to me, until he's beaten somebody on a national stage, Jordan Lynch can, can really – he can, he may get invited, Tarvin, but he's going to be just the guy you invite to the party. He's not really a real consideration. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If if Trey Mason comes back next year and and Auburn does well, and and they do good, I think he'll be a name the way he's played this year. And if, and if they can get another big win, if they can beat somebody like an Alabama Trey or or make a BCS bowl game and shine, I think Trey Mason for Auburn is one of those players dynamic enough. He could be in a conversation. What do you think about that? 
Oh, I don't know. I, mean, I think running backs nowadays are going to have a hard time getting in there. They have to be the only guy on the roster, and I'm not sure that he's going to be the only guy running the football for Auburn next year. So uh, I think it's a long shot, but not, not outside the realm of possibility that Auburn's running the football. Yeah, I just want to give Paul a hard time about Lynch because I always like to give Paul a hard time. But, but, I mean, the guy is good. I mean, he wouldn't be on ESPN Sports Center every night if he wasn't. But how does a guy like Lynch, Trey, end up being at Northern Illinois instead of being somewhere with a di- as dynamic as he is? Don't you think he would have been recruited by a bigger school? Well, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger played at Miami of Ohio, and he's doing pretty well on the pros. So, I mean, people get things wrong all the time. Yeah, but he won't get a dinner. Jordan Lynch will not get a dinner for the Heisman, I don't think. It's going to be a three-person race. Possibly McCarron could sneak in there. You never know if, if he, he ends up having some big games. But I'm thinking it's going to be Winston, Manziel, and Mariota, and Winston's going to take the Heisman. But Trey, after Manziel won it as a freshman, do you think they're going to have trouble giving it to another freshman after the way Manziel acted in the offseason? No, I, I don't think so. I, I think that they're going to, like I said, I, I think if Mariota goes undefeated, I think that it's going to, you know, in Florida State were to lose, I think it's, it would be Mariota's. I think we're going to have to see how this thing plays out. But, you know, right now it's looking like to me that it's a Mariota-Winston, uh, you know, who could take their teams and a, who, can run a, who can run the table undefeated. Well, I'm going to give my rant real quick before we go, Trey. And, and Paul's been throwing CBS around a lot tonight, but – I look at their bowl projections, and and first of all, they have Auburn right now in the Music City Bowl, and that's just ignorant. Considering Auburn's eight and one now, and they could lose out, lose their next three games, and still make at least a Chick Fil A bowl in Atlanta on New Year's Eve. Trey, what is what is CBS trying to smoke here, saying Auburn's going to make the Music City Bowl right now with an eight and one record? Well, yeah, I don't, I don't understand that prediction at all. And Jerry Palm picked Tennessee to beat Auburn. Well, I mean, if that happens, good Britain. But but what I'm trying to say, Paul, is they can lose three in a row and still uh, have almost a New Year's Day bowl. So I just wanted to throw that out there. CBS, I mean, you look at their projections. You look at Fox, ESPN, Yahoo, USA Today, and, and most people have Auburn in the Sugar Bowl. Some have them in the Capital One or something. I just That makes me scratch my head. But, Trey, Coach of the Year right now, if you were to give it today, the Coach of the Year, who would it be? Uh, Gary Pinkle at Missouri. I think what he's done with them, a team that was you know, picked to be near the bottom of the SEC this year, they were supposed to have a losing record. I mean, everybody predicted them to be losing record, and now they're looking like a team who could play for the SEC championship game, possibly. Um, that's a pretty good job, man. And people said that, you know, they always say play an SEC schedule, where, well, Missouri's in their second year of playing an SEC schedule, and they're not having a whole lot of problems with it. So, Gary Pinkle. Well, I'm an Auburn fan, but, you know, what Gus Malzahn's done with a 3-9 and nine Auburn team, turned them around to a top-seven team in the AP, and, and looking at it, if they can win a couple more games here and say get to 10-2, and two, I mean, that's remarkable. I look at Finkel. He had a lot of talent. He had his quarterback back. He had everything going for him in a way, and the scenario he had was Georgia was without their players. Florida was without their players. Tennessee was coming off a road game to Alabama. So the way they choked in the fourth quarter against South Carolina, Trey, about Pinkle, I think that that's a, a knock on him in a way. But if he can beat Texas A&M and Ole Miss, 
I'll agree with you, but I, I don't think he's going to end the season with more than nine wins. I think they're going to lose to Ole Miss on the road. I think they're going to lose to A&M, but you're right. He's done a great job. I mean, these guys are in the top five, or they were in the top five. They're in the top ten in the BCS. Could you imagine, Trey, if they can win out? And they should be favored in every game but Texas A&M. I mean, I would have to yeah. vote for him if he, if he could go ten and two. Well, I mean, also, you, you act like the Missouri has had injuries, too. I mean, Missouri had their quarterback go down as well, and they just put up, you know, 30 points against Tennessee with a backup quarterback, a you know, freshman yeah. as it is. So, I mean, you know, injuries are no excuse, especially when you look at the, the, the talent that is on those rosters at Georgia and South Carolina. I just don't think that's an excuse to lose to a team that's supposed to be, you know, below 500 in the SEC and supposed to be, a, you know, a subpar Big 12 team coming in and it's sort of a joke to the in the SEC. So I, I think that that's, a, that's an excuse, and those teams should have beaten Missouri, but Missouri is just well-coached, and I think people aren't giving Pinkle the credit I think he deserves. I mean, he's clearly a good football coach. I mean, I certainly did not have him on the radar at all as a good football coach, but, you know, I missed the mark. Yeah, I mean, I watched Missouri, Trey. You know, at first I wasn't buying into him, and when I started watching him play, I realized how physical they are. I mean, this is a physical football team with probably the best defensive line in the SEC. I mean, have you seen a team with the receivers they have? I mean, these guys are NFL caliber receivers. I mean, they they just have a good good offense, a good running game. Missouri, if they make the SEC championship, say Alabama and Missouri make it. I, I mean, I think Missouri could beat Alabama, Trey. Well, that's possible. I mean, you know, I still think Missouri is a little overrated, but I mean. At this point in the East, I mean, who do you really think is a better team? I mean, the Missouri, they, they possibly could be the actual best team in the SEC East. I mean, it's not really a stretch to say. I mean, the SEC East isn't as good as we thought it, as we thought it was. I mean, with or without injuries, I mean, they could be the best team there. Now, I think South Carolina is going to go in there because of that win over Missouri. They have the easier schedule. They just have to play Florida, and I think that game's in Columbia. So I'm going to favor South Carolina in that one. And I, th- I just think even if Missouri loses one of those games in the West, Ole Miss or Texas A&M, they're they're done. And South Carolina is gonna gonna make the SEC championship game. But Pinkle, after the year he had last year, to come back and do what he did, I can't really argue with you, Trey, about him being coach of the year. But there's several great coaches this year. You got Oregon's coach Helfrich, you got Malzahn, and uh, Jimbo Fisher. I mean how he brought his team. He hired the right staff. I mean, think about all the coaches he lost in the offseason, Trey, and how he assembled a staff. He got a quarterback to replace Manuel. If they run the table, I mean, Jimbo Fisher's name's got to be up for discussion. But, Trey, anything before we go, buddy? This is a big weekend coming up. Oh, man, just like everybody else, I got my my DVR ready. I'm ready for some football. All right. Paul, Jason, Cuervo, Chris Allerson, everybody, thanks for joining us tonight. We look forward to seeing you Sunday. And, Trey, glad you're feeling better, glad you're back, and, and have a great week, buddy. All right, thanks, Matthew. Right into this world, all alone. God, take your soul, you're on your own. A crow fly.